Hi, this is Roland Fisher, lead pastor of Second City Church here in Chicago, Illinois, and we hope that you're well. Welcome to our online service. We hope you leave today encouraged, full of faith, and ready to take the kingdom of God wherever you may go. After listening to the message today, we invite you to share the link with others who are also in need of the love and grace of God in their lives. I hope that you were able to join us last week as we um, heard from Pastor Cole, um, a really a prophetic word for our church and our people during this time of the pandemic, um, talking about God, the God who is a builder. If you did not have the opportunity to listen to that message yet, please go back and do so, um, because this message is going to be building off of that in continuing our series of the God who is by today talking about the God who is everlasting. Now we're talking about this today because this pandemic has, and the effects of it have lost, lasted longer and the effects have been deeper than any of us would have hoped for. Yet we still serve an everlasting God. And so today we're going to focus on this statement saying that we will come to know the God who is when we know him as the everlasting rock with an everlasting kingdom. And we're going to talk about it in those two parts today. Number one, uh, God being the everlasting rock. And then number two, God be having and um, building an everlasting kingdom. So we'll do this today by reflecting on the words of people who, much like ourselves, ourselves have learned to live victoriously for God while dealing with trying times throughout history. And these people will include people like the Israeli prophet Isaiah, the Israeli king, uh, Solomon and the words of Jesus Christ himself. So before we do anything else, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you are our everlasting rock and that God, you are calling us to be a part of and build your everlasting kingdom. God, we're asking you to help um, help us today by your word to be full of faith and strengthened in your goodness towards us in Jesus mighty name. Amen. All right, let's start with talking about the everlasting rock. When we worship Jesus, we do so because he is literally our everlasting rock whose strength and care are without end. And to that end, I wanted to reference a scripture that we uh, uh, made reference to several months ago in one of our message series, um, but I want to approach it from a different angle in the midst of the pandemic. We we, we utilize this uh, particular scripture from Isaiah when we were talking about God keeping us in perfect peace as we set our minds on him. But now that the effects of the pandemic have been prolonged even longer than many of us anticipated and it's affecting continually uh, our academics, our school settings, our businesses, and our families. We, we want to actually look at the other part of the scripture where it actually says that God is our everlasting rock. So if you would today, open with me to your Bible to Isaiah chapter 26. We're going to read verses one through four together. And it says this, in that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. He sets up salvation as walls and bulwarks. Open the gates that the righteous nation that keeps faith may enter in. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. And when we hear that, that's absolutely good news to us because God's nature is unchanging. That means that his 
attributes are both consistent and inexhaustible. This includes his care for his people when he's describing himself as a rock. And as why famed preacher Charles Spurgeon, who lived and ministered during the cholera outbreak of 1854, could say this very thing. He says, I have learned to kiss the waves that have thrown me up against the rock of ages. And he's talking about, again, God, who's described himself as the everlasting rock. And so when Charles Spurgeon was talking about the waves, he was referring to the trials that he was experiencing even during his tumultuous um, time, just like we are experiencing trials during this tumultuous time. But it is through trials that we become broken often and humble enough to finally allow God into our lives to both save and transform us in ways that we might not have had ears for before or a heart openness to before. Think maybe about many uh, friends, family members, or co-workers who've surrounded you in their lives. And it was literally through times of brokenness, whether it be something financial, something relational, maybe a divorce that they went through, maybe something that was uh, uh, something affecting their um, health, that it was through brokenness that God was able to find finally break in and transform them to his glory and ultimately for their good. And it is here that God expresses in the midst of the trials, in the midst of the brokenness, his everlasting care as the everlasting rock who is steadfast even when our circumstances feel shaky. Now, the prophet Isaiah, again, the Israeli prophet who prophesied about 700 years prior to Jesus, he continued to express the heart of God, prophesying about God being the everlasting rock, but his heart condition towards his people when he said this in Isaiah 63, verses 7 through 9. He said, I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord. And that's once again, speaking about his everlasting nature, his everlasting love. He says the praises of the Lord, according to all that the Lord has granted us and the great goodness to the house of Israel, that he has granted them according to his compassion, according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he said, surely they are my people, children who will not deal falsely. And he became their savior in all their affliction, excuse me, in all their affliction, he, meaning God himself, was afflicted and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. And so when we talk about God being an everlasting rock for us, what can we learn from this particular scripture as Isaiah is prophesying about the heart of God? Well, number one, we want uh, we, we see that God wants his people, he wants you to know his everlasting care. Even as he's described as a rock, part of him being a rock is that he's one who's stable, faithful, and provides security for the ones that he loves. And we see from scripture that God's love is, the word he uses is steadfast. It continues on and lasts, not despite trials, but actually in the midst of them. And we see that his goodness remains when circumstances seem bleak. And he is looking for a 
are people who will acknowledge this by not dealing falsely with him because of their discomforts. Now, what does that mean practically? It means very practically that whenever we face trials, we're tested. In this pandemic, we've been tested by not only uh, the uh, distance that we felt from um, sometimes God, but also the distance that we felt from one another as his people. But God says, I want a people who will not deal falsely with me even in the midst of their afflictions, but instead learn how to continue to be faithful to him and his purposes, his everlasting purposes, even as he's faithful to us. And what we see is that God empowers us to do this because his care for his people is abundant. He's not stingy with it, but in fact, according to this Isaiah 63 scripture, it expresses something very keen and very powerful about his heart. He said that God himself is he's as a rock, not aloof. He's not callous or unfeeling whenever we're going through our afflictions or our experiences, but he's himself the God who himself feels afflicted when we're afflicted. And you can think about that or be able to conceptualize that if you're a parent or even if you've observed a good parent with their children. Whenever I've had a child who's suffering in any manner, whether it be physically, emotionally, or relationally in any aspect, their affliction becomes my affliction. And I want to do as a father anything that I can to help encourage them, lift them, strengthen them, and ease their pain. And that is what God, as our everlasting rock, is communicating about his love for his people in this time. He says that when the Israelites, when the people of God were afflicted, he too was afflicted, and therefore he sent forth the angel of his presence to save them. And in our affliction, our afflictions, God looks to save us. But he does this very specifically by something important that we need to embrace, especially during the time of the pandemic and the effects of the pandemic on our lives. He does so, he brings his salvation, it says, by the angel of his presence, meaning that God saves us by his nearness and his personal involvement in our lives by his nearness and personal involvement in our lives. Meaning that God, regardless of how you've related to him up to this point, he's not just a concept and he's not just a philosophy. He is a person and through his involvement in your in our lives, he brings us into the salvation that he actually has for us. Now he does this uh, not only uh, sometimes, but all the time uh, with uh, Israel. He says that he looked to carry Israel all the days of old. And just like with Israel, he carries us both in good times and in challenging times as we look to love him and serve him. This means that whether it be a difficult time that's led you or stumbling into sin uh, during the time of this pandemic, or it's been other times where you've been full of strength and wondering where to place your focus because you have so much opportunity, God says he wants you to run to him and not from him. It means that we want to look to him 
in the midst of our trials and our afflictions to deliver us and not just our governments or our bailout checks or people who seem to be pundits or who have the answers for our temporary ills. But God says, I want to be the first source of your salvation as you look to me. At the same time, God says, I spoke, I spoke to you through my prophet Isaiah about my people Israel, meaning that he is a father intent on building not just an eternal or an everlasting relationship with us individually, but he's a father intent on building an everlasting family. And just as God's presence is important in bringing salvation to people's lives, so your presence is important in God demonstrating his care for others as a rock. Think about that, that God's presence, the angel of his presence, his nearness is the very thing that broke us free in our hearts and the minds from our addictions to sin, our addictions to all types of rebellion against him. His nearness and kindness is the thing that led us to repentance from our immorality, our drunkenness, our theft, all types of things that we used to do. But now he says, it's not just his, the nearness of his presence, but he built an everlasting family as the rock. And it's our presence that are going to be his hands and feet to provide that care for others in the times of their trial and affliction as well. And as the body of Christ, we are literally the hands and feet of Jesus expressing his everlasting care. Now, how do we do this? Well, obviously, we want you to know that during not only during this pandemic, before it and long after it's over, we are constantly praying for you, that God would undergird you, strengthen you, comfort you, provide for you, open doors for you, help you create, build, and be eternally focused and involved in building his kingdom. And a family, the everlasting family that he uh, puts together is one that takes care of one another. And just as God saves you through the angel of his presence, his people take care of one another through presence. Yet it's been a challenge during the pandemic to actually walk this out. And some people in the pandemic have gotten so used to isolation that they're now telling themselves that they prefer to actually be alone. There's a company called the Barna Group who actually conducts several surveys with throughout the church world. And what they've actually reported recently is that in the midst of co the COVID-19 pandemic, one out of three Christians, 33% during the pandemic have stopped participating in church. And people have created grooves for themselves where they treat church like a Netflix series that they simply watch and believe the lie that it is too much effort for them to actually relate with the people who are the church, who are the church and not actually just watching it on a screen. You see, whenever we come together in this virtual space, we believe God's word where he said, where two or more are gathered together in his name, there he is in the very midst of us. That as we gather and look to God and worship him, that God's power is literally present in your home, in my home, in the homes of all who are watching at various times, and that God is able to deliver, save, and heal by the preaching of his word and the worship that goes up to him. 
him, that he's able to strengthen his people, provide for us his people in the midst of their afflictions and literally set them free as the kingdom of God is intended to do. Not just during times where we can be together physically, but all times because God, as we talked about several weeks ago, is omnipresent and able to powerfully move. But when people just treat the church as if it's a Netflix show, what's happening is that they begin to allow themselves to not only be on vacation from active service and participation with other believers, but sometimes from God himself. Yet this is not healthy. It's not healthy. And we all have a need to know that we are valuable, have purpose, and matter to others in this world. And sometimes people have been disconnected from God and his people because they've forgotten that. That the pandemic and the pandemic, what it's done is it's actually shown us how the devil, the enemy of our souls, loves to exploit times of isolation and separation. At the same time, too many individuals are disappointed in relationships because they are looking for people to be their rock when God is the only everlasting one. You hear this in people's vocabulary all the time, especially when they're going through trying or difficult times. They talk about maybe their spouse or a friend of theirs or a family member being their rock, being the one that they could always go to, being the one that they can always depend on. But the truth of the matter is, is that everyone that you love, everyone that you know is a limited resource. And the God of heaven and earth is the only everlasting rock on whom we can depend. But the beauty is, is that he gives us a family in the people of God to support and undergird us even during times like this to help us and come and save us during our afflictions. Now, how many people would be honest with themselves and actually say that over the course of something like the pandemic, you've thought thoughts like these to yourself, boy, how I wish, I wish that somebody or people would call me more or when's the last time that anyone has even checked on me and who's even made effort during these challenging times of the pandemic to come and see me uh, how many of you also know that other people also wish and are feeling the exact same way and are hoping from the exact same thing from you how about this there's actually a book whenever um uh, we were reading different um, books in the midst of this pandemic time. My wife is actually rereading one of her favorite ones, and it's called this, And the Shofar Blue by Francine Rivers. And in the book, there's a father talking to his daughter who, with her husband, are in ministry. And he exhorts her with this encouragement. He says to her, center your life on Jesus. Don't put your hopes in people, sweetheart. If you do, you'll only add to their burdens and bring grief upon yourself. Love God, meaning that eternal, everlasting rock, and he will enable you to love others, even when they disappoint you. 
And how encouraging and true is that? That if we build our hopes and our confidence on God, the everlasting rock, then we're actually filled up enough to actually provide something for others. And God wants you not just to learn about his everlasting care, but God wants you to learn to be a part of giving his everlasting care, especially during a time like the pandemic. But the question is, is not how many people have called you, but how many people have you checked in on? And how have you been a support to someone else during this time? When Solomon, King Solomon was writing in uh, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25, he exhorted us this way. He says, whoever brings blessing, brings blessing, not receives it. Because remember, Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. He said, whoever brings blessing will be enriched and one who waters will himself be watered. And so if you want people to be concerned and care about your condition in this moment, how about this? Maybe the first thing to do is try to water someone else. This another translation of this same scripture said that he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And it's only modeling what Jesus himself did for us, being the only incarnate son of God, the perfect, holy, righteous one, the only one worthy of all of our attention and worthy of all of our worship. He said this about himself when he came to the earth. He said that the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so if God's going to be our everlasting rock during this time, we need to learn to think like him, love like him and act like him in regards to our relationship with him, but also with one another. So what are we to do? What are we to do when this pandemic has upended everything that we know about relating to God and one another during this time? We are to remember again other words that King Solomon spoke when he said in Ecclesiastes 7.10, say not, why were the former days better than these? For it is not wisdom, from wisdom rather, that you ask this. What are we to do? We're to reflect on the words when Isaiah was prophesying to the Israelites where he said, forget the former things because behold, God is doing a new thing. And we need to rejoice in all the ways that God has been expanding his kingdom through the virtual spaces in which we see ourselves. Though we might have been limited physically in the ways that we came together, I'm here to tell you that the good news is that even last week and in the weeks prior, several people have been responding to Jesus Christ and his gospel through the preaching of his word in the virtual spaces. Several people have gotten baptized in water in the midst of the pandemic because our reach has been able to be expanded. And that's good news. And it's not just through Second City Church. It's through the Big C Capital Church at large, not only in our nation, but throughout the nations. People who might not have ever entered the doors of a church have been hearing the gospel for the first time and being saved. And you who have been serving, helping to put together these services have been a part of that. And it's fantastic and it's good. And if you've not been participating, you have an opportunity to do so. 
And at the same time, we need to find a way to engage God and one another now in these virtual spaces while we're waiting for things to normalize after the pandemic. You see, God's kingdom is not stopping because he's our everlasting rock. He's steady, he's consistent, and he's secure in that which he's attempting to accomplish. And it says that God calls us to engage and be an everlasting family through the church even when we have to get creative with the means. Well, what does family do? Well, I think very practically, they check in on one another and they actively support and encourage one another. And now is your time. It's been an exposing time, but now is your time that if you've only been an attender at a church or only been a part of actually just showing up physically at services, but never really engaging people, now's your time to actually be the church and get to know the people with whom you're worshiping. We have community groups throughout the week that you can get involved in and actually begin to serve God along with others whose lives you can share, getting to know them and them getting to know you. And I think that on a daily basis, there can be an encourage. I want to give you this encouragement that daily there should be at least someone that you're calling or texting to check on and see how they're doing where you might actually fulfill the scripture where it says encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that no one might be hardened by sin's deceitfulness and weekly i want to encourage you to employ utilize this phrase you should be able to ask somebody other than your immediate family, but do ask your immediate family, but in addition to your immediate family, in regards to your spiritual family, asking somebody, how are you doing? Even if you think you know, and I can't tell you how powerful that simple question is when somebody takes the time to ask me, Roland, how are you doing? I'm literally filled with the life and encouragement of God. When somebody tells me, Roland, I've been praying for you repeatedly, even if they don't know what's going on um, because I haven't told them about my present situation, God knows, and they've been praying. That expresses the everlasting love and everlasting care from the everlasting rock. It's being expressed through the hands and feet of Jesus, his body, his church, and that's who we're to be to one another, uh, serving our everlasting rock as an everlasting family. And when we do so, what we see is that God calls us to be touched, strengthened, and becoming become like him in this way for others. It is through this and the preaching of his gospel that we're able to participate in his everlasting kingdom. And when we build our lives upon the rock of Christ, he empowers us to live for his everlasting kingdom. And the fact that our God is our everlasting rock means that times and circumstances change, but his purposes do not. And that's good news. Why? Because God is building an everlasting kingdom. Isaiah, again, when he was prophesying about Jesus prior to him showing up in his first advent, born of the Virgin Mary and coming into the world as the incarnate Christ, coming in the flesh. He said this in Isaiah 9, verses 6 through 7 about Jesus who would be born. He said, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, check this out, 
everlasting father, prince of peace, of the increase, check this out, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. That means whether challenging times or good times, he said his kingdom and his government will be increasing in the earth. The number of people who are turning their hearts and their minds towards him, pledging their allegiance to Christ as their savior and being delivered and saved, being born again by his good news. He said that will be without end from the time of his advent, his first coming, which happened over 2000 years ago and forevermore. He said, and the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this, meaning that God's passion and his zeal would accomplish the continual, ever-expanding expansion of his everlasting kingdom. And he calls us as his body to participate in it, no matter what's going on around us. And the zeal of the Lord spoken of here clearly demonstrates that God is passionate at all times about building his everlasting kingdom. And in the midst of the pandemic, we must allow, not allow ourselves to wilt. And this is, I felt like a strong charge from the Lord to really encourage you as the people of God, not to allow yourselves to wilt, but instead you must keep living. You must keep living by faith and for his pleasure and for his everlasting kingdom. And for those of you who do not know Jesus yet, this is good news for you because God is calling you into his life. Though you might feel like you're dead on the inside. That's what the scripture talks about, that prior to knowing Jesus, we're all dead in our transgressions and sins. But then he calls us by his grace into life so that even during times like these, you may live. You don't have to entertain suicidal ideation. He says he causes you to live and not die and proclaim the works of the Lord. And I'm reminded of what uh, another uh, author and philosopher named C.S. Lewis actually said during his times. He was preaching and writing books and really encouraging people during the World War II period. But what that was is they were under the threat of the atomic age. But he was reminding people about God's everlasting kingdom and reminding them that they needed to live and not just be in a bubble of self-preservation. And this is what he said. He said, how are we to live in an atomic age? I am tempted to reply, why, as you would have lived in the 16th century, when the plague visited London almost every year, or as you would have lived in a Viking age, when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat at night, I'm sorry, any night, or indeed, as you have already, you are already living in an age of cancer, an age of syphilis, an age of paralysis, an age of air raids, an age of railway accidents, an age of motor accidents. In other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir or madam, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented. And quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. We had indeed one very great advantage over our ancestors, anesthetics. 
but we still have the, uh, that still. It is perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful and premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances and in which death itself was not a chance at all, but a certainty. This is the first point to be made and the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we are all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things, praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies, a microbe can do that, but they need not dominate our minds. And that's a strong exhortation for us in the midst of the pandemic, that yes, even as we live with social distancing, and yes, even as we live with the wisdom of making sure that we cover up and don't expose people to things unnecessarily, we have still got to choose to, by faith, and courageously live. That's a great conversation I had with my little sister recently. And the point is this, that you must still live life. And you must, if you are a follower of Jesus, still live like a disciple. And what that means is that you must still be about Christ's everlasting kingdom and make disciples. And if you found yourself on the bench in the midst of the pandemic, solely focused on self-preservation, now is the time to repent and get back in the game. This is how Jesus himself charged his followers to embrace a life of faith, no matter trying and even difficult circumstances. Jesus in Luke chapter nine, verses 57 through 62 was talking to people and instructing them about what it actually means or what it looks like to be a disciple, a follower of his. And he says this, that as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And how easy it is for us to make declarations like this when times are good or when times are easy. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Meaning if we're going to follow him, we're going to have to follow him in the midst of the discomfort. And he said to another, he said, follow me. But he, meaning the one Jesus was, to whom Jesus was speaking said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Why? Because they would be able to get their inheritance and then have a certain greater measure of ease in their life before they follow Jesus. And Jesus said to him, let leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. He's saying, don't get caught up in even the momentary pain or the momentary loss, but keep your eyes focused on the everlasting rock, the everlasting kingdom he's building and go and proclaim his kingdom. And finally, yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. So what this means is basically this, that this has been an exposing time and it shows us two things. Number one, to whom we've been clinging as our rock. Has it been God Almighty as our everlasting rock? 
or has it been people who can disappoint us because they don't have the capacity to be our everlasting rock? And secondly, it shows us of what kingdom we've actually been a part or what kingdom we've actually been building. Maybe we have been uh, physically and the only attachment that we really had to God was the physical gathering of the people of God. But when we're left to ourselves, we really don't have a love for God that comes out of our hearts. And if that's you, now's your time to repent and come back to him. And if that's you who really have been disappointed because you've been building on another rock other than the everlasting rock of Christ, now's your time to get that right. And the reason why is because as Jesus said, again, going back to the scripture that Pastor Cole utilized in last week's message about God being a builder, Jesus again said this about himself. Have you never read in the scriptures in Matthew 21, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. But here's the what I want to focus on right now. He says, and the one who falls on this stone, this rock will be broken to pieces, right? So God's intention is that when we actually come to him and as the everlasting rock and actually fall on him, we'll actually be shattered to pieces. And he says, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. So there are only two options there that God will either will come to him in humility and be shattered to pieces only for him to rebuild us according to his word and his ways in his everlasting purposes as our rock and as a part of his everlasting kingdom or in the judgment because he's coming to judge every man and woman, woman and child. He says that he will crush us in the judgment. There are only two options there. And God's appeal is that we meet him in both his peace and his love, knowing his everlasting care for us. So today, what it is, is this, we need to serve God according to his everlasting purposes, his everlasting ways. And if you've been out of alignment with him, today is the moment. Now is the time to get right with him. Whether you found yourself outside of the camp of God or having been a Christian who might've found yourself in a detour, God, your everlasting father is calling you back home and saying, re-engage him for his kingdom purposes and do his will. So let me start by praying for those of you who may have never decided to serve Jesus on your own, but you understand that you would be really at this moment an object of his wrath because of your rebellion, but don't want to be. You want to instead receive what Jesus Christ, the only sinless one, did for you on the cross, where he came and lived the perfect life that you should have lived. And on the cross, took the punishment and the shame that you and I deserve. But because he was innocent, three days later rose from the dead so that not only could you have forgiveness of sins, but new life in him. And if that's you and you say, I wanna do this, I wanna lift my hands to God and break on the rock of Christ today so that I could be added to his family and have him rebuild me, would you pray this prayer with me? Almighty God, I admit to you today that I've lived in my own self-sufficiency. I've been trying to build my own kingdom. But God, today I say I want to break on the rock of Christ. And I'm asking you that you would forgive me my rebellion against you. You would forgive me my sins. And you would uh, help me to really run hard after you and build my life on you, the everlasting rock. 
I believe that Jesus lived that life for me and on the cross, died on the cross, the death that I should have died. But because he was innocent, three days later was raised from the dead so I could have forgiveness of sins and new life in him. God, would you forgive me today as I proclaim Jesus as my Lord? I ask you to make me a new creation and show me how to be a part of your everlasting kingdom from this day forward in Jesus name. Amen. Now, the good news is, is if you prayed that prayer, God says he's made you a new creation. And would you go with me to our website, secondcitychurch.com slash new life? There you can not only find resources, but you can actually take the next steps of becoming part of God's eternal plan in his eternal everlasting kingdom. More than that, I'm asking you to not only put uh, tap the button below saying that you're giving your life to Christ, but then fill out our connect card so that we can uh, show you and walk with you as the people of God, showing you his care in the midst of our times of affliction. Now, if you had already prayed that prayer and say, you know what, God, I just want to not only receive your care, but actually be one who's part of showing your care to others. Strengthen me for that cause. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ who've been about your everlasting kingdom up to this point, but the, the pandemic has been hard. And God, I pray that you would comfort them, strengthen them, and reconnect them to you and one another. God, I pray that you would break down the walls and the barriers of distance and you would help us to make the most of every opportunity, even in our virtual space, to be able to connect, be the church and build alongside of you, be co-laborers to build your eternal kingdom. God, I'm asking that you would baptize us with the same zeal that the Lord Almighty, you yourself have for your kingdom, your everlasting kingdom in Jesus name. And God, may we continue to share and rejoice in the testimonies of new life, salvations that you made the walls and bulwarks of your great city, the city of Zion. God, may we actually be the living stones who are continually testifying to your goodness and rejoicing in all that you've done for us in Jesus name. May we do it all by faith, not just now, but always by your strength. Amen. So we encourage you to join our community groups throughout the week where we can continue to encourage one another in the love and grace of God. And we also invite you to share the link to this service so throughout the week, others can hear the word of the Lord and be encouraged in the grace of God for their lives. So we love you. We'll be praying for you this week. We'll see you next week. And please do bring a friend. God bless you. And we'll see you then.